G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. Basically, all of a sudden, there was like a conflict that occurred at our church. And yeah, the world just completely changed for the next maybe four months. And, and then trying to continue to lead people who were also going through a lot, uh, you know, wondering and asking questions as to why everything had happened the way it had. So it was a very tough time. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time, author Melanie Saywood shared with us what it was like growing up in a home with Hindu parents and following Hindu traditions while attending a Christian school and growing in her new Christian faith. Melanie is the author of the book Ministry Stinks, One Leader's Journey from Despair to Joy, and also the book Disillusioned. When you get lost following Jesus. So I guess you can tell by those titles that things haven't always gone smooth for her and that there's been some bumps along the way of her faith journey. Today, we're going to find out about those bumps and a whole lot more as she continues to share her story with us. Once again, Melanie is chatting with Eric Scatterbo. Welcome back to the program, Melanie Saitwood from Brisbane. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Glad to have you with us back on the program. And last time we stopped it just when things were very, very confusing in your life. You're about 30 years old, you're married and you have a child and you are doing what you absolutely love, being in ministry, but you're finding out that you're being stretched and well, your daughter misses you. Take us back to what was going on in your life at that point. Yeah, sure. So I really just came to the point where I knew I had to do things different. And, you know, I stepped back and I tried to use all of the strategy and wisdom that I had and, you know, of course, prayer and seeking God Mm -hmm. to work out how I was going to continue doing this because clearly that's what he wanted for me to be doing and being able to manage all the other responsibilities. And and so in in a sense, I came up with some boundaries. I came up with um, ways for me to work that would make me more efficient so that I wasn't spending, you know, stacks of time doing things that were a waste of time, really. I continued to have ups and downs in my ministry journey. I was working there for about four and a half years. Mm -hmm. And so there were different things that I would get challenged with at different times. But towards the end of my time there, I think it was probably maybe the third, halfway through the third year, I was actually doing quite well. I felt like I had quite a, you know, balance going on and Mm -hmm. I was definitely kicking some goals as well Mm -hmm. in terms of ministry. We'd had a whole bunch of small groups open that we, a number of groups that we'd never had before. But basically all of a sudden there was a conflict that occurred at our church and yeah, the world just completely changed for the next maybe four months. Hmm. And it ended up being so devastating. And basically our our senior pastor was removed from his position hmm. and then 10 staff members also resigned. And so, you know, we basically had half the staff oh, wow. at working then. Yeah. And we were all going through our own stuff as well, like trying to come to terms with the fact that something so significant apparently had happened that required such a drastic change and then trying to continue to lead people who were also going through a lot 
you know, wondering and asking questions as to why everything had happened the way it had. So, so was this like a church split? Amazingly, we didn't split, but it was purely the grace of God, I think, that it didn't. Like, it mm. was like a very tense place to work. And, you know, we did have like a whole bunch of people leave, but I wouldn't call it a split. It was probably a lot less people than we thought that would. Uh, but it was still devastating to be a staff member there and to think that there were things that were going on behind the scenes that we had no idea about that mm. for some reason seemed worthy of the kind of actions that were taken was quite devastating. So, mm. Is this where the disillusionment comes in with your second it book? It started to. It mm. started to, certainly did. So I came back the following year and very much felt like I was meant to stick it out, so I stayed for another year. But that year was a terribly difficult year and there was just so much lack of trust amongst the staff and there was, you know, all mm. sorts of little infighting things that were happening behind the scenes. And, you know, I can remember going home feeling very depressed quite a lot. Um, but then towards the end of the year, I felt like I was, like, sort of thinking yeah, I don't know, like, is God sort of redirecting me again? And and I was writing something. I was basically writing a study for our small groups to do the following year. And I'm writing it and I'm thinking, gee, this is a really good study. And it was kind of like, oh, I think I should be writing. And then for the next week, I couldn't get it out of my mind. I was thinking, man, it'd be so fun to just write and to write and to write. So I finished up about, I think it was like December, by the time I fully finished up. And then the beginning of that following year, which was 2019, I just was completely surprised by it. It was about three months of just being in pain and feeling depressed and feeling like I had been abandoned by God. And, mm. you know, even though it was a choice of my own, for some reason I had felt like I didn't have a choice in the choice, which mm. was really weird. And it was probably a month into that that I was able to put a name to it and it was disillusionment. And I went, oh, wow, okay, I'm pretty disillusioned. I probably need to do something about this because it feels quite awful. And I had met up with a pastor at the time and they told me the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, which is amazing that that story comes up again. Yeah, and yeah. the fact that they had gone into the furnace and they'd come out and there wasn't even the smell of smoke on them. And it suddenly became my vision that, you know, for my life, I'm not going to walk away from everything that happened and allow the enemy to have still got his smoke into my clothes. I want to be completely rid of this. Mm -hmm. So that kind of started a whole journey where basically any time I would feel the feelings and the emotions of disillusionment come up, I would go straight to my reading chair and sit down and confront it and I would go what is going on why am I feeling this way what triggered that feeling and basically would sit there and work through it until I actually had some kind of conclusion that helped me to to have more clarity about yeah. that circumstance and of course there's like some more technical things that I go into in the book about how I did that but yeah. that's basically how I got there well let's just go back to basics disillusionment the dictionary definition is a feeling of disappointment resulting from the discovery that something is not as good as one believed it to be. So I'm thinking yes. in your case, you were thinking that ministry work, church life was going to be this great thing. And it was for a long time. But mm. then uh, you had all those conflicts or the church had the conflicts. And then you found out the honeymoon was kind of over in a sense. And is that when the disillusionment kind of set in? 
Yeah, basically, I think um, because I had this whole thing to contrast with, which is Hinduism, Mm -hmm. I, you know, had this very beautiful kind of impression of what the church is all about, you know, like... Kind of a romanticized view? Yes, absolutely. Some of the statements that were going through my head when I left uh, that role was, I gave up on my Hindu faith to live this out and this is what it was like, you know, it was that kind of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, that whole thinking of, we're supposed to be better, wouldn't Christians behave better than this? Like, don't we know what we have? Shouldn't we be, like, acting more loving to each other? I realise mm. a conflict has happened, but shouldn't we have been more loving to each other? And so yeah. they were the kind of things I had to reconcile because I clearly had these expectations that um, everyone was always going to act mature in their faith. And, you know, the body of mm. Christ is not full of mature Christians. We've got lots of different people from lots of different walks of life. So I had to come to a point where I was able to reconcile that. And so that's kind of the journey of the book is that, yes, you do discover something that makes you go, oh, wow, like things aren't the way I thought Mm. it was. But the way to come to conclusion is to actually go, well, what is it then? Mm. And what is the truth about it? And come to some kind of conclusion that reconciles that. Mm -hmm. Well, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we're thinking we're just going to have joy once we give our lives to the Lord. But also Mm. Jesus says you will have trouble. (laughs) Absolutely. And and we seem to forget about that verse when reality happens and humans who are sinful let us down and especially in relationships. And uh, that sounds like what happened to you. It's exactly what happened to me. And those individuals I don't believe were doing things deliberately to make me feel that way. Mm. They were just making choices. But you're still left with the trying to work out how this fits in with your understanding of faith and your understanding of how the world works and how the church works Mm. or or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is once again author Melanie Saywood, whose second book is called Disillusioned, When You Get Lost Following Jesus. And as we've been hearing, she's experienced disillusionment in her own life and specifically related to her involvement in ministry. But she's learned a great deal from these challenges and will share some of her wisdom she's learned when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with author Melanie Saywood. This time, we're focusing on her second book, Disillusioned, When You Get Lost Following Jesus. And as we heard before the break, Melanie became disillusioned herself while working in ministry. But instead of getting stuck there and sinking in deep despair, she really pressed into the Lord and learned some valuable lessons that inspired her to write a book to help others in similar circumstances. Look, I think if we really believe that our faith is as amazing as it is, if we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is and Mm -hmm. that our faith can change us, then that's what motivated me to want to sit in this and to Mm -hmm. work through it. Because 
it's got to be the rubber hits the road, right? Like I can't say that I'm a believer and I do all these things and then not allow it to change me and form me. Mm-hmm. So really what I've learned about disillusionment is that it is, it's actually very rampant like in society and in mm-hmm. the church, yeah. but there is a hope that we have when we have Jesus that every, you know, every circumstance we go through is really an opportunity for us to rework in us and be transformed. And so mm-hmm. really, in essence, what I'm trying to say is, is that we, we need to understand disillusionment. We need to understand how the enemy uses it because mm-hmm. I can tell you, he stands to gain from it. Oh, definitely. But we're walking this tightrope where it can be something that brings glory to God mm-hmm. or it's something that the enemy can, you know, use to his advantage. And so we walk that tightrope by learning to understand it and, and just going, mm-hmm. okay, this is disillusionment, this is not. And in the book, like, I actually talk about some statements that people who are disillusioned make because, you know, there's actually some really common things that people who are disillusioned say. And so it makes it a lot easier for us to identify it in ourselves. Um, the second thing is that we need to, like, mourn it because Mm -hmm. one of the things that we're not good at is recognizing that something has really hurt us and that there is just a time where we just need to recognize that this is going to hurt for a little while Mm -hmm. like it did hurt leaving like leaving that role and having to confront all of the expectations I had about life was painful and so I was trying not to filter that Whereas in previous circumstances in life, I tried to filter that and I tried to go, oh, no, 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 you know, but faith and no, 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 we, yeah. we need to think positively. But really what I needed to do was actually go, yes, you're right, this doesn't feel great mm. and that yeah. really hurt. And so it actually allows you to get over things quicker, I think, when you confront it and, and mourn it like that, when you yeah. recognize that something has taken a toll on you. And you and I have spoken before we started to record that uh, mm. for me personally, I'm right in the middle of mourning. As I've told you, uh, I was mm. led to the Lord by a famous Christian apologist mm. who I found out recently was living a double life. You know, one life very Christian and the other life very not Christian. And yes. talk about disillusionment. You know, this is somebody who brought me into the whole kingdom of God as far as, you know, faith and reading the books and all that kind of stuff. And it's just really disheartening. And well, It is. It is. Yeah. But what you're saying here is, I need to mourn that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that we have this tendency to want to hide the things that we're experiencing. Hmm. But the truth is that God already knows. And he yeah. already knows that we're experiencing it. So who are we trying to hide it from? Is it just ourselves then? Because he already knows. Hmm. So yeah. the whole thing with mourning it is... It's recognizing that something, it sounds very morbid, but something that we've had an expectation of has actually died. It's basically been shown to us to not be real. Yeah, it's a loss. It's a loss. And so, you know, with any loss, like, you need to mourn it. You need Mm -hmm. to recognize that this is actually hurt and and it's okay that this is hurt. Yeah, it hurts and and I'm sad. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not always going to feel that way. Mm But it's allowing that feeling to be acknowledged and Mm -hmm. not to be dismissed because it has more ability to do things in us when we're able to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. So if you could kind of help me some more here, uh, so to help you get through (laughs) this. (laughs) uh, So part of it, going back to your first point, is for me to just understand what happened, that men are sinful. As humans, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, and sometimes that happens. It's like a kick in the gut. 
but I'm yeah. not perfect. So, you know, it helps you understand that people letting you down, human beings letting you down is a possibility in mm. life. Absolutely. I mean, what I will say is that sometimes you've got to give time for the morning process mm-hmm. to finish before you start trying to theorize why this happened or what. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because when you're in that place of hurt, mm. your judgment of things, even when you say it's something, it can be just it's too raw. Yes, it's too fresh. And there's nothing you can tell yourself for that pain mm. to go away. If you feel that pain, you feel that pain. So, you know, but then when that time has come where it's now, you know, you can sit down and start trying to understand it. One of the key things that I talk about in the book, and which is what I did for myself, is I made it really clear to myself in writing what it was I was expecting. What do you mean? Like, what was I expecting of a Christian leader, for instance? What was Mm -hmm. I expecting of that person? Well, that they had integrity and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And some of these things are realistic. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not that we're saying that it's not realistic, Mm -hmm. but it's like, what did I expect? What did I expect would happen? Mm -hmm. Did I think that this would be a reality? And then it's coming to a place where you can go, on the flip side, what did actually happen then? Mm-hmm. So that you can see the the gap in between the expectation of what happened, mm-hmm. right? Because with disillusionment, half of the time, the battle is actually trying to clarify what it is mm-hmm. we're feeling disillusioned about. In your yeah. case, that's not the case. You were disillusioned about an individual and the way that they behaved and the choices that they made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is probably somewhat not as critical for you because it's very easy for you to work out exactly what it is that happened, you know? so It might be easy, but it still hurts. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. And especially if it's someone you respect. Yeah, yeah. Because this is the thing that, you know, like with people that we respect, we do hold them often to a very different standard than Mm. other people yeah because there is somewhat of an expectation that they will take responsibility for how they act and how it affects me Mm. and in christian leadership it's even more so because these are people who represent our faith as well so until you actually sit down and actually start to work through that you you sort of don't know so like I know I had some disillusionment around some Christian leaders, Mm -hmm. but I had to break it down a lot more than I'd say where you were at. Mm -hmm. And what I found was that the revelation that really changed how I was thinking about that person was the fact that God is my good shepherd. Mm -hmm. So every expectation I had of that person, that they would act a certain way, behave a certain way, I was able to have grace for them because they aren't my good shepherd. It's not that we don't hold people to a higher standard, Mm -hmm. but ultimately leaders' accountability is between them and God. That's the biggest accountability, right? Yeah. And so when they do fall and, you know, there probably will be others, Mm -hmm. then because I've gone, actually, you're not my shepherd and I know that for you specifically this person was a key person in you coming to faith. Right. But at a deeper level... It was always God who brought you to faith. Do you know That's what I mean? True. He yeah. was the one who was working yeah. through this man to bring you to faith. And yeah. and so it doesn't take anything away from how special the testimony is that you went through that these things have happened um, because at the end of the day, it was God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And another thing is I was kind of like, well, what about all the uh, arguments for belief in God and defending of the Christian faith? And then I just recently heard somebody speak about how if two plus two equals four, 
and somebody told you that, it doesn't matter if that person who told you two plus two or equals four is a bad person <laughs> or, you know what I mean? It's like, it's true, yes. it's true, it's true. It doesn't, even if the person who gives you that truth isn't uh, a person of integrity, it's still true. So God can use imperfect human beings to give you truth. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, I always try to believe too that any leader who does go down the path of fooling and all that kind of stuff, Mm. that at some point the influence that they had was because of the Holy Spirit in their life and that they did have good intentions and that they they were a faithful person at one point. I Mm. think there's more... It seems to be like there's more cases where these leaders have, you know, been faithfully loving God, serving God, and then things start to dissipate at some mm. point. It's the yeah. it's the ending. It's not the starting. We all start with good intentions, mm. and which means that what they were saying at a time was still true. It doesn't mean that everything that they've ever said is discredited. Right. Because right. our message is the gospel not the speaker. That's the central message that we have in faith is actually God's message, not their message, if that mm, makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so we don't have to throw the, the baby out with the bathwater. It's just... The truth is still the truth, no matter who delivered that's it That's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And finally, you mentioned that we should confront the disillusionment that we have in our life. So how would I do that? I think confronting it is like some of what I was talking about. So sitting down and working out what was I expecting? How did that go wrong? What is the truth that God really wants me to know about this? Mm-hmm. And can that be validated in scripture as well? You know, cause can we, I tell well, you what I, I think? Can I tell you what I yeah, think sure. I learned? Yeah. I think it's a warning call for me that, uh, you know, there but for the grace of God go I. I mean, all of us have weaknesses, and if we let those Absolutely. little weaknesses grow, they become bigger weaknesses, and then before you know it, it's something very, very bad. So yes. I, I'm kind of looking at this as a wake-up call that, yeah, I need to get serious about my faith and grow and make sure that you know I'm not letting little uh, arrows or anything from the devil get through and start to Absolutely. bring me down. Yeah, and to be honest, whenever I hear of any kind of Christian leader like falling, mm-hmm. to me it's a reminder of how vicious pride can be because yep. we are not nearly as vigilant and we don't talk about it nearly as much how bad pride is for the body of Christ mm-hmm. and for individuals in the body of Christ because pride can blind you. Pride yep. can have you making choices and doing things and thinking that you are entitled to do those things because mm-hmm. you are proud. It's got nothing yep. to do with anything else but the fact that you think that you deserve this. And I just think we all can go that way. Every one of us is susceptible to pride. And Mm -hmm. so that's often the reminder for me is, okay, I know like when I heard about the news, I was kind of going, oh, you know, God, I know I'm venturing out on writing this book and people reading this book and maybe some people, you know, I might become more well-known for it. I've just Mm -hmm. kind of been saying to God the whole time, okay, help me not to get full of myself in this, like help me to stay humble. That's my biggest prayer at the moment is to have a humble heart and still recognize why I'm doing it. Yeah, I mean, that's a real life uh, temptation, you know. I mean, you start off with all the best intentions, but then all of a sudden people start recognizing you or, you know, you're you're having some success and it's kind of easy to think, oh, 
this is because of me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I am pretty great, ain't I? <laughs> <laughs> and the interesting thing is there's a, there's a scripture in, I think it's in the Gospels somewhere, where Jesus is actually telling his disciples, if anyone ever says to you that like you've done this miracle, you go, no, I've actually only done what I have been asked to do mm. in service to God. Mm. You know, so it's so easy to get full of ourselves because someone compliments you or says you're yeah. doing a good job and you go, oh, yeah, I am doing a good job. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, not remembering that, oh, hang on, the reason why I'm here is actually because Jesus saved me 20 years ago and he's been working in my life for the last yeah. 20 years and that's why I have anything even good to say. So it is so easy. But I tell you what, Within about five minutes later, I usually mess something up and I, I get humbled real quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully for me, that is also the case. So <laughs> there you go, there you I don't go. mind. I don't mind the, the screw ups just to keep me humble. So <laughs> there you go. Yes. Mm. Well, Melanie, thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom with us today. Oh, no problems. It's my pleasure. Our guest today has been Melanie Saywood, and her website is Mel Mel J. Her website is Mel. Sorry. We're going to change your name to Joe. <laughs> that was just me being humbled again. <laughs> I told you it was five minutes later it would be happening. Right on, Kate. <laughs> All right, Eric. Let me take a stab at it. Our guest today has been Melanie Saywood, who's the author of the book, Disillusioned, When You Get Lost Following Jesus. And for more information, her website is meljsaywood.com. Once again, that's meljsaywood, S-A-W-A-R-D.com. Well, it was good that Eric and Melanie could end today's chat with a bit of a laugh after dealing with such a heavy topic like disillusionment. Unfortunately, we've all dealt with it from time to time, either in a church ministry like Melanie's experience, or by having a Christian role model let you down, like Eric experienced. Sadly, human beings fall short of the glory of God and have the potential to disappoint us from time to time. This side of heaven, that's a sad reality of life occasionally and something that we wish would never happen. But there is one who will never let you down, and you can always count on. And that, of course, is the Lord. As it says in the book of Psalms, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Well, how about you? Have you been disappointed or become disillusioned? And can you identify with either Melanie or Eric's experiences? If you'd like to pray with someone about this and bring it to the Lord for healing, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And we'd love to pray for you on that line. 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for part two of Melanie's story and some of her advice. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I was in Service Paradise, and in the back areas of Service Paradise, there was this new Thai restaurant that I'd heard about. You, no one would go to it because it was down the alleyway, but I heard it was fantastic food. Uh, the Thai chef came out, couldn't speak hardly English, but he had the front cover of the Gold Coast Bulletin where my face was, and he asked for me to sign it. And that's when reality really hit for me. You know, I walked out, walked up to Cavill Avenue in the middle of Cavill Avenue. I fell on the floor and had a nervous breakdown at 20 years of age, mm. crying like a baby. At 20 years old, Mark Kuyabar became a world champion chef 
winning three gold medals at the Chef Olympics in Germany. But at the height of his culinary success, he felt empty inside and abandoned it all to go to Bible school. We'll find out what happened as Mark shares his story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 